Stories of Communism 3, Splendid Arses Welcome to Stories of Communism, the podcast where we review and discuss the first-hand testimony of those who lived through the horrors of communism over the past century. This is Eric Seligman, your co-host, along with Manuel Castaneda, recording from the suburbs of Portland, Oregon. After listening to the last two episodes, you might have started to find this topic a bit depressing. So to shift gears today, we'll be looking at something a bit more lighthearted. One of the ironies of communist literature is that despite the system's total stifling of the human spirit, there is quite a bit of humor to be found. Naturally, it's a rather dark humor in the vein of Kafka or Camus. But in such systems, the humor formed an important safety valve, a kind of coping mechanism in many cases. Living in such a world of bizarre doublespeak and daily hypocrisy, it's not hard to find oddities that, under more pleasant circumstances, would be easy to laugh at. Today we're going to discuss one classic embodiment of this form of humor, the novel Nobody, or The Disgospel According to Maria Dementia. Nobody is an example of what's known as Samizdat literature. This means it's non-state approved writing, which was passed around the Soviet Union and illegally retyped or recopied. It's actually pretty amazing that such works existed. In the time period from the 1960s to the 80s, although things weren't quite as bad as in the Stalin years, being caught with anti-communist literature or illegally using a photocopier could still cost you your home, your livelihood, and your freedom. Yet Soviet dissidents risked it all to create and share literature that defied the authorities. Nobody, our focus for today, was apparently written around 1968 and smuggled out of the Soviet Union. An anonymous French translation then made it into the hands of English translator April Fitzlion, who rendered it into English for us. Its original author is unclear. It appears there was only a single English-language edition published. I happened to pick up my copy at random when browsing in a used bookstore. Otherwise, I probably would have never heard of it. There's surprisingly little further information online about this book. I find one review at Goodreads, and a few used copies can be bought at Amazon, but not much more. Not even a Wikipedia page, though there is a brief mention on the page of its translator, Fitzlion. But that's a shame, because this is a great book. As the blurb on the cover states, it's a deeply tragic novel which also succeeds in being extremely funny. The novel centers around a former academic named Patadorov, who couldn't take the hypocrisy of continuing to build his life around loyalty to the Communist Party, and long ago left his job and his wife. Now he wanders around Moscow, living from day to day, begging and doing odd jobs to earn just enough to eat. He prefers this physical poverty to the mental torture of supporting the communist system. Here's how he describes his decision to a surprised friend who's working as a journalist. The toady is dead. Long live the madman. I am as free as a bird. Consequently, I am a pauper. It's amazing. I read my favorite books and drink port. I am selling on an ice floe, shouting to the people left behind, Greetings, rats and mice! Ha <laughs> ha! And you are one of them too. Oh, Lord. Stop soiling laboratory paper with words. Give it back to the people. Clean. My favorite part of the book, though, is the description of the new husband, Brandov, who Patatarov's ex-wife has married. He's a rather unintelligent and bland man, but a caring and successful provider for his family. He works for the government in the applause section, where his job is to attend official speeches and loudly clap. A slight exaggeration of the offices that existed in real life, but a spot-on spoof of the many useless and unproductive government positions that are created for loyal bureaucrats. Here's how Brandov thinks about his job. Brandov loved being at work. People treated him with warmth and respect. 
behind his back, they would say, he's one of us, a real clapper. Brandov gave a cursory glance at his beloved wall newspaper for all-out clapping, to which he contributed and to which he sent in cartoons. For that issue, too, he had drawn a caricature appendulum who, at a meeting, had missed a foreman signal and had started to applaud later than was indicated in the scenario. Pendulum was represented with huge ears and little tiny hands. The inscription under the drawings read, You must clap with your hands, not with your ears. On the walls hung diagrams and placards, aids to improve applauding skill. Disembody hands, clapping at a certain angle and at a certain force. Incorrect, erroneous ways of clapping. Cross out with a red cross. Later it's revealed that Brandoff has to take down this cartoon because his caricatured co-worker has just earned a PhD in applause. Not as much of an exaggeration as we would hope, Academia in communist countries is totally subordinated to the nation's political goals. Aside from the quality of his clapping, Brandov is also preoccupied with his department's rivalry with the public criers, a nearby department whose work is sometimes seen as more important than his. But one of the highlights of the book comes when Brandov reveals a new initiative, one that will drive his career to a new pinnacle. The organization of our work has not been sufficiently thought out. In response to the leadership appeals, I have joined in the fight to economize state funds. In order to improve our work, I propose the following. To use apes as applauders, but especially for exclamations of approval. I am convinced that the apes will carry out with credit the work entrusted to them. The training and purchase of a fresh batch of apes will soon pay for itself. In order to get this new project started, Brandov invites his family to join him on a trip to the zoo. Patadarov also happens to be there, observing many ironic metaphors for aspects of Soviet society among the animals on display. But of course, Brandov is focused on his task, closely studying the primates to find those best suited for his new project. Those wouldn't do, he muttered. They are too small. It would be too obvious but they don't shout badly. You can hear a ring of triumph. No, no, we must have chimpanzees or orangutans, bigger ones. It would be easy to make them up. But their arses, their arses are good. If one were to clap on them, one monkey could do the work of five. The man began slapping his buttocks. Splendid! A lot of work will have to be put into them. The well-dressed visitor was saying to himself, they are now well-grounded in ideology. We'll manage it. We'll give them ideological education. We'd manage harder cases than that. Oh, what splendid arses. Pity it's unethical. Just imagine if a delegate suddenly started jumping up and slapping his arse. What would our dear foreign guests think? I'll put them in little suits, Pablo's reflexes. I'll go out and get some advice. We'll work it all out and full steam ahead in the name of the radiant future. You'll be promoted to senior clapper, Brandov. Sadly, the book doesn't get around to describing the final result of Randolph's experiments. And now we reach the part of the podcast where my uh, co-host, Manuel, steps out from behind the quotes he's been reading and 
uh, makes a few comments of his own on the topic of the day. Well, Eric, I can see that even in communism, people still have a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the sense of humor is, you know, one of the human coping mechanisms for when things get stressful. Um, and what's kind of scary, of course, is that if they'd been caught passing this book around, they could have been, you know, sent to the gulag or lost everything they had, at the very least lost their jobs and their positions. But people risked it all just to share this humor with each other while living under the, the terrors of communism. As you can see, while still reflecting many of the tragedies of living in the Soviet Union, this novel can be quite hilarious at times. If you're interested in learning more about communism but need a break from heavy-handed exposés like those we discussed in the last two episodes, then I think you'll really enjoy the Samus Dot novel Nobody. This concludes your story of communism for today.